Welcome to the League of Champions podcast. to savage you this week all right little bonus episode this week so i might try to do this every week try to do two episodes like one one before everything and then one after kind of looking back and looking towards a little further ahead um or more time between our previous matchup and this one coming up uh anyways so the first thing i wanted to go through is um the pickups i I said everyone should make or someone should make last week. So <clears throat> did the pick stick. Let's see. So the first I did for quarterback, I did Marcus Mariota. It was a hard no. Uh, there, But to be honest, this game was just gross. There wasn't a single passing touchdown in the game. And between him and Jacoby Brissett, there was less than 400 yards of total passing. It was just, it was all rushing. It was four rushing, tes- four rushing touchdowns. So I, I guess both coaches decided let's just take the ball out of our shitty quarterbacks and give it to our running backs. I don't know why Tyler Algier was running so well. He, I mean, he averaged almost eight and a half yards a carry. I don't think that's going to continue. I don't even know if he's going to get the full workload. I don't even know why they were running the ball so much. <clears throat> I know the, I know Marcus Mariota is bad, but it was just it was strange. Um, I think I think they're gonna. I I would think that any offense they I mean any defense they go against is gonna lean heavily on stopping the run if they see that Marcus Mattridge can't throw the ball. But anyways, I think more often than not, this is what's gonna happen with Marcus Mariota. You're gonna get the off off week where he rushes for a bunch of yards or, you know, maybe just happens to like light the world on fire one week or two, but I don't think he's gonna be consistent enough to, to pick him up. And in the next three weeks he's got the Buccaneers, the 49ers, and the Bengals which are three really good defenses. Um, but then again, their defenses you don't run on, so we'll see. Uh, you know, if he does well against the Buccaneers, maybe take a shot on the 49ers. But, yeah, it was hard. Definitely wrong uh, this week. I For running back, I did Rex Burkhead. Uh, he put up 12, almost 12.5 points, 12.4 points, and he didn't get a single carry in the game. So, it's I mean, it's pretty impressive. I think... It's more or less what I said would happen. He's, you know, he's going to not kill you. He's just going to give you enough points to kind of tread water. You know, if you needed that, that spot start. Uh, he got targeted five times, caught all of them, and he also scored. So I think, I think he would have been fine. Um, and with so many big name running backs <laughs> destroying you, um, I mean, he, he outscored players like Dalvin Cook, James Conner, Zeke, and, and even more. So, I mean, it's got to be, one of the eight teams in our league would have been better off starting Burkhead than one of their starting running backs. And if you include like the flexes and players that were started there, every single player in our league would have been better off with Burkhead than somebody on our roster. So that's gross. I think it's going to continue to happen. He's the change of pace guy. He's the third down back. It's just, I think it's just the way it's going to be in Houston. Damian Pierce is definitely the guy now, but Rick's Burkhead has kind of carved this out for himself. 
The wide receiver I picked was Devontae Parker and kind of Nelson Aguilar, but more Devontae Parker. This game was worse than I could have imagined, especially with the Patriots. They lost, already lost Mac Jones, then they lost their backup, and and neither quarterback that played for the Patriots threw for more than 100 yards. Parker only Parker caught the only passing touchdown for, of the game for the Patriots, but, but and his two receptions was only uh, one less than the team lead, which was Nelson Aguilar with three. So if you put that into the context of the game, I mean, his stat line doesn't look awesome, but there was only 15 total completions by the Patriots. So Parker caught 14% of the total possible passes he could have caught. Uh, until Mac Jones is back and the offense is actually functioning, I I don't think you should probably pick up Aguilar or Devontae Parker, but I definitely keep an eye on them. <clears throat> They're gonna have weeks like this. They're gonna have blow up weeks like Nelson Aguilar did. It's about just kind of timing that, and I think it's gonna be easier to do that when Mac Jones is back. Then for tight end, Will Disley. Yeah, I, honestly, I I think I called this one right. Eleven point nine points isn't crazy, but it's tight end. And actually, Spencer listened to me and picked him up and dropped Logan Thomas. So Logan Thomas was more involved than I thought he'd be. He he got he had six targets, but those six targets turned into nineteen receiving yards. Receiving yards, it's insane. I think Will Disley's a good play for the foreseeable future. Honestly, Geno Smith he's proven to be more competent than anyone thought. And if they keep having to score forty plus points, it, Will Disley's going to keep getting these occasional touchdowns. And he's the starting tight end. It's no offense, awesome action. They had a third tight end. I don't even know what his name was. But Will Disley's the guy. So let's um, let's get into the people I think we should be looking at to pick up this week. And then I'm gonna, I'll bounce back to something else after. Um, so looking at the crystal ball here, my week five pickups. And this might be it. This might be out in time for the waivers. But if not, these are probably people that maybe you guys aren't even picking up or thinking about. So I'm going to do two of each position, except tight end. I'll just do one. Um, so for quarterbacks, we got Cooper Rush. Uh, I think this is easily the most ballsy pick of the week. But Cooper Rush has shown he's responsible with the ball, and he just posted the best game of the season against the Commanders, uh, his best game of the season. He's yet to throw any reception, throwing four touchdowns in three full games that he's played, and he's going up against the Rams this week. Uh, I think it's going to be... It's going to have, I mean, the Rams have to get back on track. Sean McVay is going to lose his mind if they don't. So I think it's going to be high scoring. Both teams can store. Neither defense is like that fantastic. So I think, I think the Cowboys are going to want to win by running. I just don't think they're going to be able to do that for the whole game. They're going to have to throw. And Cooper Rush, he, he'll have a full complement of weapons. I think Dalton Schultz will be back. Uh, even if he's not, he's got you know, the full complement receivers. I would be apprehensive about CeeDee Lamb this week, and I think, honestly, Noah Brown might be a great play. I think he's done too much for the offense to not be involved, even with Michael Gallup back. So I think Noah Brown might be a great play. Michael Gallup's probably going to be a good play. Uh, I think it's going to be a really good week for the Cowboys in general. So I like Cooper Rush. That's obviously assuming he plays Dak. There's some rumor that Dak might come back, but uh, Jerry Jones just said today that he couldn't grip the ball right. So it, I don't think you're going to rush him back when your backup's doing so well. There's no point. There's no reason to do that. But if somebody's going to do it, it'd be the Cowboys. So we'll see what happens. Uh, the next quarterback is Matt Ryan against the Broncos, which is actually Thursday night. 
um, another spicy one, I think. But if you remove that absolute implosion Matt Ryan had against the Jaguars, he's not having a bad season. Five touchdowns to two interceptions, averaging over 300 yards a game. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is going to be limited if he plays. And because of that kind of short turnaround, I, I think he might. I would lean on the side he's not going to play. I don't know why. If your team is doing poorly, Jonathan Taylor is not even doing that well. Why not just give him a week? I think either way, the Colts are going to have to rely on the passing game to beat the Broncos. I think Russ is starting to figure it out. I think the Broncos are going to have to throw with Javante Williams being done for the season, Melvin Gordon potentially being out, Mike Boone having the worst hands I've ever seen. I, I just don't think they're going to be able to rely on their running backs. So I think they're going to have to throw. I think Matt Ryan's going to have to keep up. Keep up. And, uh, yeah, sneaky start. Could blow up in your face, but who knows? Um, running back, I got Rex Burkhead on here again. Just stay in the flames. Sexy Rexy, man. He's a running back. He's a running back who's not involved in the running game, which is insane. But he's averaging five targets a game. And the Jaguars have shown they can score. And the Texans are going to have to play from behind a lot. It's just the way it's going to be this game. I mean, hopefully you can do better than Burkhead. But with players like Javante Williams and Cordell Patterson out for week five and potentially beyond, definitely beyond for Williams. But you might just need someone to plug into tread water until you can figure it out. I think you could do worse, but it's it's definitely three for three on the spicy um, pick so far. All right, my second running back, another Thursday night guy, uh, Mike Boone. I know I just talked shit about him, but I, I think he honestly is kind of a chalk pick for a pickup, I mean, uh, given the injury to Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon also dealing with his injury. Melvin Gordon also just not taking care of the ball. He's fumbled four times in four games. He's also 29. Uh, I still think he's better, a better player than Mike Boone. I don't think you'd find many people who would disagree with that. But the Broncos don't owe any loyalty to Gordon at this point. And I think his lack of responsibility with the ball could make them lean on Mike Boone more. He, he had three carries and three targets in week four. But I could see this being a 50-50 split, assuming Gordon actually plays Thursday in the short week. And also, watch the transactions for the Broncos this week. It's hard to imagine starting someone who you, like that you would be starting someone who they just signed, but grabbing someone to stash that that they add in the next week or so could be interesting. Um, and actually, I saw that they just added uh, Latavius Murray. Um, they grabbed him from the Saints practice squad. So Latavius Murray isn't great, but he could be good enough. And if Russell Wilson gets it going, this offense starts being good. They get more more red zone opportunities. Who knows? It could be one of those you guys, one of those guys who plug in and get ten to twelve points a week, and kind of forget about it. Um, see what happens there. The first wide receiver, Jamal Agnew. Um, not technically Jamal Agnew, I guess, but this one has more conditions attached to it for my recommendation for picking him up. I I wouldn't grab him if, was, if Zay Jones plays because he kind of took over that that role because Zay Jones is out last week. But Zay Jones still kind of seems up in the air. Um, and I think what this is kind of showing is that no matter who's in that position, they're going to be successful. Um, Zay Jones has been semi-successful. Jamal Agnew is a fantastic, he's an insane athlete. But um, I think no matter who's in that role. So it, it's not really, I'm not chasing the points on this for Zay Jones because I think Christian Kirk, I mean for Jamal Agnew or Zay Jones, honestly, 
Because I think Christian Kirk's going to bounce back. I mean, the against the Eagles, it's a tough match. It's the best matchup, or worst, I guess, depending on which way you look at it. Um, the Eagles are fantastic on defense. The weather was terrible. And Marvin Jones is, Marvin Jones is still there, siphoning off just enough work to not make him a smash play. So I think, honestly, whoever ends up in that role this week, whether it's Zay Jones, who you can't pick up because somebody has him, or Jamal Agnew, who you could pick up, I think they're going to be semi-successful. Um, in the second wide receiver, Donovan Peoples-Jones going up against the Chargers. Uh, he had nine targets last week, and that was that was a 26% target share. I, I think the Chargers are a much better team than the Falcons, and while they have a kind of a scary defense, supposedly. Um, they're missing They're missing Joey Bosa. They're going to be for the majority of the season. So I think the offensive, offensive line should have a slightly easier time. And Brissett's going to have to throw early and often to keep up with the Chargers. Uh, the Browns' defense is just not good. So I don't think Justin Herbert's going to have any problem dissecting them, especially if Keenan Allen's back. Uh, Amari Cooper's still the number one in Cleveland, but I think it helps... Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones because he won't draw their number one corner J.C. Jackson and even if he did the Chargers secondary has been surprisingly bad despite being projected to be a top 8 secondary before the season so I, I believe they lost um, uh, who's it Asante Samuel Jr. already so <clears throat> if Mari Cooper grabs that number one and gets, kind of gets tailed by J.C. Jackson all game who knows Donovan Peoples-Jones could be open a lot. Alright, and lastly, the tight end. So, my tight end pick is Hayden Hurst against the Ravens. Hayden Hurst is ranked 12th at the position in targets, receptions, and receptions per game. So, he's involved in the offense. They've just been running more than they've been passing. And But the Ravens' passing defense is really not good. Like, at all. Um, they well, actually, just their defense as it relates to passing in general, not just receivers, but they rank 21st in sacks. And what's even worse is they rank first in passing yards against and fifth in passing touchdowns against. So you can throw on the Ravens, and they're going to have to, and the, the Bengals are going to have to throw with how electric the Ravens' offense has been this year. So I think Caden Hurst is going to be a smash play, especially at the tight end position. Uh, I think you could do a lot worse. And despite him being the third slash fourth option, he's Joe Burrow's um, safety valve guy, in addition to obviously to Joe Mixon, and he's a guy he looks for in the red zone. So I think Hayden Herschel can have a good week against the Ravens. Divisional matchup too. Uh, important game. It should be good. So let's get into the, let's see. Let's look at the matchup, my matchup of the week. What I think is the most important matchup. So, normally for this, I think I would probably pick like the powerhouses of the league going against each other. Um, but taking a different approach with this one. So, Spencer currently has an 11% chance of making the playoffs. And he's playing against Mike, who only has a 19% chance. It's still incredibly early in the season. So, this is obviously going to change a lot. But it's an important week for both of them, I think. I think they both really, I mean, Mike's one and three, Spencer's own four. I think they just, they really both need a win to just get back on the right track. Uh, not only that, 
but it's important for both of them to put up big scoring weeks because in the event there's any tiebreakers at the end of the season to decide who makes the playoffs or for playoff seeding, I mean, they're both near the bottom of the league in, in points scored. So, that I mean, that could involve trades, uh, whatever, switching something up to, to score more points each week or just waiting it out, you know, football changes instantly. But, uh, yeah, this is my matchup of the week, Spencer versus Mike. Spencer 0-4, Mike 1-3. Super important game. So let's look at the power rankings. So the biggest jump up was Nick jumped up 10 spots from 12 to 2. And the biggest drop was Mike, who dropped down 9 from 2 to 11. So the rankings now are Brad is number is projected to finish first. Nick's second. I'm third. Tyler's fourth. Isaac's fifth. Andrew's sixth. Stefan's seventh. Brian's eighth. Tim's ninth. Nolan's tenth. Mike's 11 and Spencer's 12. I'm not sure how Brian is eighth uh, at 4 0, but who knows? That's what the app thinks. So the app has no faith in Brian, I guess. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Is that it? That might be it. Do we have anything else? No, that's it. Yeah, so a quick one this week, but I'm going to start to try to put these things together. Um, do waiver, waiver stuff specific to our league, I think will be fun. Um, I think next year I'm going to change our league. Um, assume you guys are all down for it to a fab system. I, I don't like the pri- I don't even like priority. I think fab is just better. Um, if you guys aren't familiar, fab is free agent acquisition budget. So basically, at the, end, at the beginning of the year, you get a hundred dollars, well, fake hundred dollars in the app, and then you use that to bid on um, blind uh, blind bid on free agents throughout the year. I think it's just, I think it's more fun. I think there's more strategy to it. And I think it, it, there's just a lot more, yeah, just a lot more strategy to it, a lot more nuance to what you do instead of just being the person who waited two weeks without picking up a waiver pick and just keeping that number one spot. I, I don't know. And I think the way we did it last year, inverse of the, the rankings, it's not really that great either. It's kind of the same problem I have with the NFL of them you know, the last place team getting the first overall pick is stupid. Um, and I think that, that kind of worked the same way with our waiver priority last year. Not that anyone was intentionally tanking or anything like that, but it just, I don't know, it's kind of dumb. So I think I think Fab's the best, and I think probably, assuming nobody has anything really strongly against that, I'll probably do that next year um, for our league. Okay, let me take a peek really quick on... Uh, let's see what our other matchups we have. Is anything interesting? I didn't. I didn't look who the top people are playing against because I wanted to see. I, I think it's more important for Spencer and Mike. But let me take a look. So week five. Yeah, I guess it's. I mean, it's really important for Isaac too, obviously. But he's going to put against Nick, who's three and one. Um, let's see, it's important for Nolan. Going up against Brian, 4-0. It would be nice to knock him down, give him a loss. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. It looks like this week, um, aside from Stefan and Tim and Brad and Tyler, it's like the worst against the best. Uh, and, and Mike and Spencer. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And also next year, I don't know if you guys have ever done this. I might implement this too. Um, there's this setting that you can turn on that's 
um, you get a win. So basically each week you'll have two matchups. You'll have a matchup obviously against the person you're playing, most points wins, but then you'll also have another matchup, which is kind of against the whole league. You, it's a, you get a win or a loss against the median score. So it, it benefits people who like, for example, last week, um, let's see. So last, last week, Isaac lost, but he scored 106 points. So that probably just judging real quick without actually doing any math, that probably would have been higher than the median of the week, the median score. So he would have got one win and one loss last week. And someone like um, Tim, who scored 128, would have got two wins because he beat his opponent and he also scored higher than the median. So it just kind of equalizes. You know, if you have a really shitty week, but you still beat the person, it's just kind of like, it doesn't, it shouldn't count the same, I guess. As, as someone who absolutely crushed it and just edged out somebody else. You know, it's they shouldn't be weighed the same. Yeah, people get lucky and squeak through. So let me know what you guys think of that too. So Fab and that scoring against the median would be great. And honestly, like if, if we can, I know a lot of people have other leagues on ESPN, so it just makes it easier to have it here. But the Sleeper app, if anybody uses it, is so much better. It's It's like... It's just, it's so much easier to use. The draft is so much more customizable. So like we wouldn't have that two minute issue that we had this year with the picks. Um, it's it's just a better, it's just a better experience and it's just easier to use. So three things, potentially new app sleeper, potentially new free agent system with the fab and potentially new weekly matchup with the scoring against the median. It doesn't change anything about the playoffs. Doesn't change anything about any of that. It's it's just to kind of even it out for high scoring people who lose. Um, for example, in another league I'm in, I scored like a hundred and I want to say like 192 points, and scoring's pretty similar to our league. So I had an insane week, but the other kid had scored like a 204, and I lost. But because that league has the median thing. I went one and one that week. So it just feels a little bit better when that kind of stuff happens. Anyways, I'm rambling. Um, good luck this week, everybody. Uh, get your get your waivers in. Um, maybe by the time you listen to this, it's already passed. We'll see what happens. But hopefully we get more transactions this week than last week. So we have a little more to talk about. But I will talk to you all probably Friday or Saturday. Super. Take care now. Bye-bye then.